We are never, ever going to give up until we make our schools, we make our shopping malls, we make the streets of this country a safe place to live and work. We are never, ever giving up until we win this fight. Well, I guess that tells you that guy is a Democrat, not a Republican, because he would like the country well, to be I safe. Don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon, on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. We will be talking about Oregon today. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet and the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us for today's thrilling broadcast uh coming up momentarily a very closely watched u.s house race from two weeks ago u.s uh, pr- house primary from two weeks ago where a progressive democrat looks as though she is about to turf out a very conservative incumbent democratic member That uh, race is being held up for an amazing reason. We still don't have a call in that race. It's uh, for an amazing reason in Oregon after that state's midterm primary election again almost two weeks ago. Stay tuned for the insane details on the reason for that holdup in that tally and what the county clerk in Clackamas County, Oregon in Portland just and just south of it is 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 doing about it now it's it blows my mind anyway um i know y'all have been buried in news about the horrific shooting in Uvalde Texas over the past two days, uh, so I hope to be quick about just a few related points here, uh, one of which I think is actually very good news, sort of tangentially related to accountability regarding guns. Okay. Um, hi, Des. Hi. Uh, first, I, I mentioned yesterday that Texas's Republican Governor Greg Abbott, who signed bill after bill in recent years, making it easier to get and carry and kill people with deadly semi-automatic weapons in Texas. Uh, He claimed that the shooter at Robb Elementary on Tuesday who killed 19 fourth graders and two teachers 
had a, quote, mental health challenge and said the state needed to, quote, do a better job with mental health. Okay. However, in April, it should be known, especially to those who are going to vote in Texas uh, this November, Greg Abbott is running for re-election against Democratic uh, uh, candidate Beto O'Rourke. Uh, Abbott actually slashed $211 million from the department that oversees mental health programs in Texas. Also, you should know, Texas ranked last out of all 50 states and the District of Columbia for overall access to mental health care, according to the 2021 State of Mental Health in America report. I believe that. Abbott said during a news conference after the shooting, quote, we as a state, we as a society need to do a better job with mental health. Well, here's an idea. Stop cutting all the funding for it, Governor. In uh, a later statement, rejecting suggestions that uh, stronger gun safety laws might have prevented the tragedy, Abbott conceded the uh, slain 18-year-old shooter had no known mental issues or criminal history, but said, quote, anybody who shoots somebody else has a mental health challenge. His assertions drew rebukes from public health experts and scholars who study mass murderers. Lori Post uh, of Northwestern University School of Medicine said, quote, there is no evidence that the shooter is mentally ill, just angry and hateful. She said, while it's understandable that most people cannot fathom slaughtering small children and want to attribute it to mental health, it is very rare for a mass shooter to have a diagnosed mental health condition. David Reedman uh, of the Center for Homeland Defense and Security's K-12 school shooting database said, quote, overall, mass shooters are rational. They have a plan. It's something that develops over months or years, and there's a clear pathway to violence. The much bigger problem, they said, is that Texas and many other states are, wait for it, awash in weapons. Post said Texas has more guns per capita than any other state. Meanwhile, last year, the Houston Chronicle published a special series that showed Texas leaders failed to adequately fund or manage the state's eroding mental health system. Dr. Sadia Khan, an assistant professor at Northwestern University, uh, said that while mental health programs need more funding, quote, it will not eliminate the need for gun control. All it takes is one person to get one gun to ruin hundreds of lives. She said our children's lives depend on gun control. On Tuesday, after learning about the Texas massacre, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut pleaded with his Republican colleagues to ditch the old excuses. He said, spare me the BS about mental illness. He used the actual word. He said, we don't have a, any more mental illness than any other country in the world. You cannot explain this through a prism of mental illness. Meanwhile, to the surprise of no one on Thursday, two days after the horrific shooting, Republicans in the U.S. Senate blocked a domestic terrorism bill and even a debate on gun policy in America. Democrats' first attempt at responding to the back-to-back-to-back mass shootings in Buffalo, and Laguna Woods, uh, California, and Uvalde, Texas, failed in the Senate Thursday as Republicans blocked a domestic terrorism bill 
that would have opened debate on difficult questions surrounding hate crimes and gun safety after the measure cleared the Democratic House quickly last week after the first two mass shootings targeting people of color. The vote failed in the Senate along party lines, falling short of the 60 needed to take up the bill because all, all Republicans voted against it. Just in case you were under the impression that the gruesome death of, you know, 19 fourth graders might lead them to question their decades-long support for the terrorist-loving gun lobby at the NRA, which line Republican campaign coffers with millions of dollars in exchange for, oh, I don't know, just about 45,000 American gun deaths per year. Totally worth it, right, Republicans? And voters who vote for those Republicans? So that went down uh, in the U.S. Senate, as we suspected it would. So until Republican voters, frankly, as I talked about yesterday, until they stop electing these horrific, bloodthirsty animals to represent them, well, we're going to have to keep finding other ways to try and prevent this sort of violence. To that end, a bit of good news out of New York on Wednesday. Good news, Desi. Oh, yay. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, no, this actually is. A federal judge on Wednesday threw out a lawsuit by a group of gun manufacturers and distributors and retailers challenging the constitutionality of a new New York state law that allows the state and people affected by gun violence to sue the industry. U.S. District Judge May D'Agostino in Albany rejected a request by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and gun manufacturers, including Smith & Wesson and Sturm Ruger & Company, to block enforcement of this new statute. New York's Democratic Attorney General Letitia James called the ruling, quote, a moment of light and hope following the tragedy in Uvalde and the mass shooting last week in Buffalo. The National Shooting Sports Foundation, a trade group for the arms industry, plans to appeal. Last July, New York enacted a law that seeks to overcome legal hurdles that have largely shielded the industry from lawsuits related to gun violence. It allows firearms sellers, manufacturers and distributors to be sued by the state, by cities or by individuals for creating a, quote, public nuisance that endangers the public safety and health. The gun industry group argued the law wrongly imposes liability on companies operating anywhere in the country that make, sell, or market guns or ammo that are misused by criminals in New York. Oh, well, sorry. Judge D'Agostino rejected arguments that the measure conflicted with the Federal Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, which gives gunmakers protection from most lawsuits. D'Agostino said the law, quote, in no way differs from the myriad of state safety laws and regulations with which every industry must comply. And as long as we're talking about New York Attorney General Letitia James and about good news, here's some. Former President Donald Trump must answer questions under oath in the New York AG's civil investigation into his business practices, According to a state appeals court on Thursday who rejected his argument that he be excused from testifying because his answers could be used in a parallel criminal probe. 
being carried out by the Manhattan District Attorney. A four-judge panel in the appellate division of the state's trial court upheld Judge Arthur Engeron's February ruling, which enforced subpoenas requiring that Trump and his two eldest children, Ivanka and Don Jr., give deposition testimony under oath in James's probe. The appellate panel wrote, quote, the existence of criminal of a criminal investigation does not preclude civil discovery of related facts at which a party may exercise the privilege against self-incrimination. Citing the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and other protections for witnesses, if the Trumps like, they can use that option when they sit down for this deposition in this civil case. Which, by the way, I would expect them to do, because though they won't go to jail in the civil case, unlike what could happen if they are indicted in the criminal case, Trump could lose his, frankly, his entire business if the fraud that James has cited in Trump's taxes uh, and bank and insurance filing is actually bad enough. So once he and Don Jr. and Ivanka are finally forced to answer depositions, uh, deposition questions under oath, do not be surprised if they, all of them, invoke the fifth like crazy, even though Donald Trump has said in the past about taking the fifth. When you have your staff taking the Fifth Amendment, taking the fifth so they're not prosecuted, I think it's disgraceful. Like you see on the mob, right? You see the mob takes the fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Great question. We'll keep that keep that clip handy, Dennis. Oh, I think we're going to need it. I think we might need it. Do you think he's going to take the fifth? <laughs> Probably. I can't imagine him not taking it. Uh, AG Attorney General James said in a written statement, once again, the courts have ruled that Donald Trump must comply with our lawful investigation into his financial dealings. We will continue to follow the facts of this case and ensure that no one can evade the law. Anything Trump says in that civil deposition in uh, James's probe could be used against him in the criminal probe being overseen by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Now, since James's investigation is civil, again, Trump, the Trumps won't go to jail from that case. They might from the other one. But from this one, uh, she what would happen is she ends up bringing a lawsuit I know that doesn't sound bad, right? Just another lawsuit. Well, she could seek financial penalties against Trump or his company, or she could even sue for a ban on them being involved in the business at all. So that has happened uh, recently. In January, a judge barred ex-drug company CEO Martin Shkreli from the pharmaceutical industry for life. Ah, yes. So, yes, the Trumps could be sued and prevented from, I don't know, the real estate industry or whatever the hell business Corrupt they're in. Corrupt business they're trying <laughs> to go at, yeah. For life. Uh, and that's without the criminal charges that could still be brought against the Trumps in New York that could land them in jail. So, see, little bit of hopeful news for you today uh, in a dark week with all these continuing nightmares. So let's take a quick break here. Uh, as the everything, everywhere, all at once era continues, and we will come back with some news about two still two still undecided elections from almost two weeks ago, one in Pennsylvania and one really incredible one in Oregon. 
That's straight ahead on the broadcast, as we'll be joined by one of the great election integrity folks up in Oregon who has been watching that very weird U.S. House race and what went sideways in it with a very weird vote tabulation problem. She's been watching it very closely. She will be here shortly. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the broadcast. Hey, this is Desi. The broadcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Uh-huh, yeah. If they can count 424 billion for war, why can't they count our votes? Why can't they? And if they can count thousands of bombs and still be buying more, why can't they count our votes? All good questions. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, as of Wednesday, about a week and a half since the May 17 midterm primary elections in the great swing state of Pennsylvania, uh, with that closely watched U.S. Senate primary on the Republican side, the two leading candidates, Donald Trump endorsed celebrity TV doctor Mehmet Oz and former hedge fund CEO Dave McCormick. Uh, we're still locked in a virtually tied race with Oz leading McCormick by just under 1,000 votes out of more than 1.3 million ballots cast. After a week or so of counting late arriving ballot mail ballots and <clears throat> provisionals, etc., uh, each time bringing McCormick closer and closer to Oz with each batch that was counted. Uh, closer to overcoming Oz's tiny one-tenth of a percent lead currently over McCormick. Well, on Wednesday, state election officials announced there would be a recount in the race because it's so close, an automatic recount, with both candidates expressing confidence that they would ultimately be declared the winner. Now, for the record, the Democratic nominee for that U.S. Senate seat to replace retiring Republican Pat Toomey uh, is Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who won by a landslide last week. But even before, on the Republican side, even before the announcement of the recount, McCormick went to court at the beginning of this past week to make sure that all valid ballots are included in the final tally, as both the Oz campaign and the state Republican Party apparently do not want that to happen. Wait, what? Yes, you heard me right. Uh, McCormick's lawsuit demands that all the state's county boards of elections include undated mail-in ballots in their vote tallies. In other words, these are votes that came in on time, but the voter either forgot to handwrite the date onto the secrecy envelope or accidentally put their birth date in that space, etc. Nothing that would actually question the validity of the actual vote on the ballot that arrived on time. Understand? Yes. Yeah, so basically minor technical errors Correct. that don't actually yes. affect the legality of the ballot, the mm -hmm. legitimacy of the ballot or of the voter. Right. So McCormick's lawsuit uh, to try to make sure that that was the case followed a federal appeals court ruling in a totally separate case last week in, in Pennsylvania that found that the state, in fact, must count undated ballots 
from other recent elections, including the May primaries. But the Republican National Committee and the Republican, uh, the Pennsylvania Republican Party, they don't want that at all. The New York Times reports that they hope to intervene in this attempt in order to block McCormick's suit to count all of the legal votes. They do not want those ballots to be counted because what they really want to be able to do is is to fight that federal court ruling mandating the ballots be counted, even though, as the court decided, the technical issue does not materially affect the validity of the ballot in any way, shape or form. But Republicans, they don't they would like to reserve the ability to challenge that type of ballot if they need to in the fall Ah. when they're running against Democrats. Now, of course, the irony here among many is that McCormick's lawsuit directly cites voter disenfranchisement as its argument against tossing those undated ballots. He is correct, but, you know, Republicans are not actually known for going to bat for the enfranchisement of voters. The... um, The board's refusal to count ballots due solely to the lack of a handwritten date on the exterior mailing envelope, a technical requirement that a plurality of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has already deemed not mandatory, disenfranchises registered voters of both political parties in violation of the free elections provision of the state's constitution, according to the lawsuit. Now, as you'll recall, Republicans used to be against the counting of mail ballots in Pennsylvania, at least when their 2020 presidential election candidate had an early lead in the tally. Then they fought hard. They went to the U.S. Supreme Court, in fact, to try to stop the counting of the rest of the ballots in the state. Now, the Pennsylvania GOP put out a statement on Monday uh, vehemently denouncing McCormick's lawsuit. Again, he's a Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate saying, quote, We absolutely object to the counting of undated mail ballots. The party also warned McCormick to knock it off because he's muddying the election fraud narrative that Republicans have been working tirelessly to manufacture. Man, The Pennsylvania GOP said, quote, we have worked hard toward restoring confidence in our elections And we call upon everyone to respect, uphold and follow the clear law on this issue. Well, the clear law says that those ballots should be counted. The campaign manager for Oz even accused McCormick of, quote, following the Democrats playbook. You know, the playbook that says every legal ballot should be counted. A tactic that could have long term harmful consequences for elections in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, his camp, uh, Oz's campaign manager said. The RNC and the Pennsylvania GOP's attack on McCormick's lawsuit comes after former President Trump made it clear last week that he sees the counting of mail in ballots at all as a threat to Oz's campaign. He he called on his endorsee, Oz, to just go ahead and declare victory. Because doing so, quote, makes it much harder for them to cheat with the ballots that they just happen to find. That, says the guy who is on tape on a phone call with the Georgia Secretary of State after tw- after the 2020 election, demanding that he, quote, find 
just enough ballots to steal the election in Georgia from Joe Biden. So we will be watching that closely in the days ahead. The recount's got to begin by June 1. It needs to be completed about a week later. So we should have an official winner in that race on or around June 8. Now, on the same day as the Pennsylvania primary almost two weeks ago, Midterm primaries were also held on May 17 in the great state of Oregon. Well, one race for U.S. House there in particular had the attention of a number of progressive Democrats. It was a grassroots campaign run by progressive Democrat Jamie McLeod Skinner, who was mounting a challenge against incumbent conservative Democratic Congressman Kurt Schrader in the state's 5th Congressional District. On election night, progressives got very excited as returns came in and as McLeod Skinner took an early lead in the reported vote count against a right-leaning Democratic incumbent who progressives had very much hoped to turf out of his seat. A very rare case of a progressive challenger defeating a sitting establishment member. But at some point on election night, reporting on returns from the race in the 5th District in Oregon sort of ground to a halt with about 68 percent of returns in with McLeod Skinner leaning leading at the time over Schrader by more than 15 points. But the counting just stopped. Now, Oregon holds its elections entirely by mail, allowing all voters to vote with hand-marked paper ballots. But those ballots are then subsequently scanned by computer tabulators once they arrive at county headquarters. For the past nearly two weeks, since May 17, tabulation in the 5th District was stuck, at least according to New York Times' results page, at about 68% of ballots counted, with the results showing McLeod Skinner leading Schrader by a healthy margin of about 59% to 41%. Now, if this holds up, it would be a stunning defeat for an incumbent, But with no more votes tallied over the past two weeks, the race has yet to be called. The tally in the U.S. House race in the 5th District on the Republican side was similarly stalled at just over 70 percent. So what the heck was and is going on with the computerized tally of handmarked paper votes in Clackamas County, Oregon, home to the bulk of the state's 5th U.S. Congressional District? Well, As it turns out, you will be stunned to learn there was a problem with the computer tabulation of a whole bunch of those hand-marked paper vote-by-mail ballots. As Clackamas County Clerk Sherry Hall announced on May 4, about two weeks prior to the election, quote, it has come to the come to the office of the county clerk's attention that some ballots printed for the May 17, 2022 primary election have barcodes that are blurred. This was a printing issue with an external printer who has printed ballots for Clackamas County for more than 10 years with no issues. This defect in the printed ballot causes the effective ballots to be rejected by the county's automated ballot processing equipment. In other words, the computer scanners, the tabulators. The ballots, she said, with the defect are validly cast votes and will be tallied. 
The defective barcodes, she says, do not identify voters, nor do they relate in any way to voters' selections on candidates or measures. They are a code that identifies the ballot style so that the equipment can tally the votes in the correct elections. A certain number of ballots, she says, that are received in every election are damaged in the handling, in the mail, or while in the possession of the voters due to beverage spills and similar accidents. There is a routine process for handling those ballots, wrote Clackamas County Clerk Sherry Hall. So in other words, no worries. They got this. Or do they? Is this why results from the closely watched McLeod-Skinner versus Schrader race have been held up for so long? And what exactly is that routine process for handling those damaged ballots that can't be read by the computer tabulators? Here to explain what happened and what the Clackamas County clerk, incredibly enough, has chosen to do about it is Sherry Healy. Not to be confused with Clerk Sherry Hall. Sherry Healy is a longtime election integrity activist going all the way back to uh, 2000. She was the co-founder of the California Election Protection Network, but has since escaped the Golden State for Oregon, where she continues the fight to oversee fair and transparent elections and recently served two terms as chair of the Oregon Democratic Party's Election Integrity Caucus before recently resigning in protest. Well, that sounds like Sherry. Uh, Sherry Healy, uh, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Bradcast, and uh, thank you for explaining what the heck is going on with the ballot count from two weeks ago up there in Clackamas and the much-watched 5th Congressional District U.S. House race. Uh, good question. Um, well, first of all, if you haven't read uh, about what's going down, uh, this county clerk has a long history of bungled elections, but this is um, the Hiroshima of botched elections, and what has happened is, effectively, um, she has taken a, um, a remedy that we're allowed to do mm-hmm. when, uh, say, a uh, ballot comes back crunched through the mail. Mm-hmm. We do have a process uh, in the election administrative guide how to recreate a ballot, mm-hmm. but it was never intended to be something to be used to recreate uh, you know, in excess of 66% of the ballots, that really imperils our ability to implement our new, amazing um, risk-limiting audit and or hand count options of, of a, a sample tally that we just got implemented in 2020 that mm-hmm. has uh, made us have the strongest um, security on verifying that the ballot cast is, in fact, the ballot. Uh, tabulated thanks to those post election uh, so, audits but right. sherry before we talk about what this what, what she is actually doing let me just start here with uh, what the hell caused this problem in the first yeah. place how do you have right. thousands of ballots so, with with smeared barcodes that can't be scanned and she did not notice these before yeah. these were mailed out well like california and uh, all other counties i believe in oregon uh, the standard process is to get from the printer before the election, mm-hmm. a packet from the printer that has an example of every iteration of the ballot, mm-hmm. all the styles, and that would mean, you know, is it the independent party ballot? Is it the um, mm-hmm. Republican ballot, the Democratic ballot, the precincts, and so on? There's For every election, there's many iterations of ballots that happen within a county. Right. And so you have a sample of those, and you do your fancy word uh, 
for this testing is your logic and accuracy testing. Mm-hmm. So you run these through your machines, your tabulator, and um, and at that point you can catch any errors before you publish these ballots to the electorate. Before you in send, before case, you mail them out to the electorate in the case them, of Oregon, right? And it's a, the process is allowed. You invite the candidates to come in, observe this, and sign off on it. Uh-huh. Um, when I read a close reading of our election code, instead of saying, you know, the actual printed ballots, it says um, the ballot format. And so she has interpreted that to mean that she could just do a preview. Apparently, uh, just do a preview off the, you know, her in-house printer mm-hmm. before it gets um, printed. And anyone who knows about printing knows that barcodes can be um, finicky and that you need to do press checks or have the actual printed uh, material. And in this case, the the barcodes were so blurry that they were not able to be scanned. Even to the naked eye, you could see that. So in other words, she... she uh, looked at the format of the ballot to make sure all the candidates were there for, for each of the different ballot styles and so forth as it was going to be printed out, I guess, by the printer, but did not look right. or test the actual ballots to find out, right. oh, there's a problem here. These things won't scan. Yeah, because the big jump is going from maybe something you run to make sure that the ballots are all lined up mm-hmm. and the bubbles and so on can read in theory, but then you have your print you, you have film made from that, and then your printer prints it. So there's many generations before it actually becomes a ballot. So the logical thing would be to check it in its final iteration mm-hmm. so you're sure that it's uh, been printed properly. But in this case, they she did not catch, <laughs> for some reason or another, uh, the, the clerk, uh, Sherry Hall, did not catch the fact that there were this there was this problem before sending out the ballots, which means... Right. Uh, it was only discovered once it started coming back in, and she tried to uh, begin tallying them. She says, however, not to worry. There's a process in place for dealing with it uh, because, again, you know, similar issues happen with vote-by-mail ballots. They get damaged in, in transit. Mm-hmm. Voters spill something on them, uh, so they can't be read by the computer. So what are the processes here that she is doing that she says we should not worry about that seems well, to be taking so long to handle? Well, first of all, yes, as we said, there is a, a, a remedy for do, to recreate ballots, and you have witnesses from either all the parties look at someone recreate a ballot, which seems so absurd because we have a beautifully filled out elector marked ballot that we're going to just simply recast a sixty six percent or more. Um, the time that we could recount it, and that's hang, the interesting hang, thing about Oregon. Hang, hang yeah, on, hang on, Sherry. I just want to underscore yeah. that because that's the first time we've mentioned that. They are going to remake the ballot. In other words, these right. ballots that won't scan, they're going to have uh, two people, I guess she claims uh, two election workers, one from each party, actually taking each ballot and redrawing it onto another, uh, what, what is called a remade ballot, and they're going to do this correct. for all of these damaged ballots? That's correct, and that is insane because an interesting thing about Oregon is uh, that we do have, each county clerk has the option to either do a full hand count or use a machine tally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, most want to opt for the less burdensome a remedy of just using their heart intercivic. But my thought is that when she got all those ballots coming back and realizing the magnitude of recreating that many ballots, at that point, she could do a full recount and just simply count those ballots. 
Because I would think that it would take less time and be more efficient and accurate and less time-consuming mm-hmm. to simply have those people, instead of recreating the ballot, counting the ballots. So she could count and them by hand. She could count them yeah, by hand. Right. Publicly, everybody could watch. The ballots themselves, the electors, uh, the, the, the voters' choices, were not affected by this problem, only the ability to scan them in the computer Correct. scanner. So they could be hand-counted, but instead of that, she is having each and every ballot remade by election workers. Uh, how many ballots are we talking about, Sherry? Well, um, in Clackamas County, I think 300,000 were turned out and um, were sent out. Mm-hmm. And I think the at my last um, numbers mm-hmm. were that 112,000 were received. Mm-hmm. So it'd be, you know, uh, two-thirds of, of 112,000 um, in excess of, you know, um, 66,000. That's a lot, and it's a lot of time, yeah, and a the, lot of inaccuracy. 66,000 ballots that have to be remade, she's choosing to remake them rather than simply counting them by hand. This is amazing to me, uh, Sherry. The uh, county clerk, Sherry Hall, uh, who apparently mm-hmm. identified this problem on May 3rd, this was about two weeks before Election Day, she posted a notice to the Clackamas Elections website at the time on May 4th, explaining, quote, while legislative changes will delay final election results, that delay is due to the shift from a close of polls at 8 p.m. on Election Day cutoff for the receipt of ballots to an Election Day postmark cutoff for ballots. In other words, uh, she said that there will be a delay because of this need to wait for all ballots to come in that were mailed and postmarked by Election Day, even if they arrive a few days later. She said, quote, we simply will not have have them all to count at 8 p.m. on Election Day. The delay is not caused by the need to duplicate ballots that are not machine readable in their original form. So, okay, if that is true, why have most of the other races in the state been fully tallied already, as far as I can tell? It's only in Clackamas where there is this holdup. What what the county clerk says seems to be simply untrue. Would would you agree? Well, um, um, I'm not sure I caught all the points because um, what we've determined is that the ballots that were affected uh, largely impacted the Democratic ballots and mm-hmm. up to a lesser extent um, the Republican ballots. Uh, one of the beauties of the hand count, when she saw the issues, you are allowed at that point to start tallying, whereas if you are, I believe, and I, I was reading through the election code, but I believe... Uh, when you're going to recreate ballots, they have to go and uh, create the new ballots and run them through the scanner, make sure they're going to work this time before you recreate it. So there's a lag of time. But many people are critiquing her for uh, the amount of time she took before she even told the Secretary Mm. of State. This was known two weeks ago or longer that we were going to have this major issue, and yet um, here we are. You know, it's just kind of negligent the amount of time we've let this thing get un, uh, properly addressed. Well, and so, I also yeah, have, a lot of people are pointing arrows at that as well. I, I also have concerns. I, I'm frankly offended whenever, because uh, this problem comes up all the time, not at, at, at this scale with that many uh, ballots that can't be scanned, but it comes up, mm-hmm. you know, vote by mail, 
it gets damaged in transit or whatever. And instead of hand counting those ballots, it's usually not a lot. They routinely remake them. They have election workers remake them, which, frankly, I personally offends me that someone else is sort of voting for me. Theoretically, they do it accurately. Theoretically, they, you know, oversee each other. But is there concern, Sherry, that, uh, you know, that these remade ballots will introduce new mistakes, will not be accurate? Are are they letting the, uh, the, the public oversee this process enough to make sure that it's done correctly? no matter how long it takes. Well, like all public processes, so many times, like in California, we are allowed to observe things, but they're from a distance, right? And we can't really see mm. the whole chain from beginning to end. There is a security protocol to uh, secure the ballots, and uh, but we have to trust all those things are implemented because most of us are not privy to the security cameras. And, mm. you know, the longer, in my mind, ballots sit around, the more opportunity for uh, mischief or mismanagement or whatever. And so I think um, ideally, from an election integrity point of view, you want to have things um, processed as soon as possible in public and, uh, you know, without any opportunity for things uh, being mm-hmm. swapped or missed or yeah. whatever. It's the, it's that in public uh, uh, issue that I'm concerned about when they're remaking tens of thousands of ballots. Uh, Sherry, I'm I'm yeah. uh, sh- short yeah. on time here, but um, there was also apparently a, a, a controversy. I don't know if you know anything about this, uh, where a. a, a Uh, A campaign worker for Schrader's campaign was actually allowed into the counting room about an hour earlier than a campaign observer for McLeod Skinner was allowed in. And uh, County Clerk Hall said, oh, no, that that didn't happen. But now security cameras have shown that it, in fact, did happen and that, in fact, uh, it appears that Sherry Hall was there at the time and knew about it. That's troubling. Uh, do you know yes. any, anything? She denied that. <laughs> well, yeah. what happened is she initially said uh, she didn't know how it happened. Maybe someone left, uh, left the door open and let someone slip in. And then uh, one of the TV stations asked for the security camera, mm-hmm. did a Freedom of Information request, and lo and behold, it shows the person showing up early, which why were they showing up early? I don't know. And then um, uh, getting the the uh, person mm-hmm. working, the subordinate, going to Sherry Hall and getting permission to buzz that person in, and they did. And so we don't know if that person had access to stacks or anything, but just on principle, mm-hmm. it's just uh, wrong to have, um, you know, someone have admission an hour before your opponent. Well, and you know, uh, when, you, when the whole function is witnessing. Yeah, well, exactly. When when everybody's supposed to be able to oversee, but at a minimum, the fact that she said one thing and the security camera showed another thing is right. county clerk uh, Sherry Hall, is she appointed? Is she elected? Should there be consequences so, for this mess? Has this happened before right. with her? Oh, yes. So she, there, she's had been in hot water before. Um, for quite a few things, and one was having um, one of her, um, and, and she may or may not have had anything to do with it. She was never indicted, so I guess she was found innocent, but the fact is she had a um, one of the people uh, that was a volunteer was caught uh, filling in undervotes with Republicans, and that person went to jail, I believe, for I, um, yes, a couple months. I remember and that. And a few other buckle yeah. type yeah. things that were just mismanaged at, at the least. And so Shamia Fagan, our new Secretary of State, did address um, the her capacity to maybe have uh, Sherry um, 
Hall stepped down. She is an elected. She does have complete um, autonomy over the oversight of our Clackamas County elections. She she is elected. So, you say she is elected. She is elected. Okay. Yep. Is she is there, is that a nonpartisan office? Is she Republican? It Democrat? is a nonpartisan office. Uh-huh. So she on her website has Trump um, support. She's it's not a secret that she seems to be. Um, conservative but that's no nonetheless everyone who's going to take that position will have their own personal affiliation uh-huh. that's uh-huh. okay but um shimia fagan was asked if she could ask uh, force her to step down mm-hmm. and make her resign or something like that and um shimia fagan said no and she said she was gravely um disturbed that she had not told the truth about how that yeah um trader representative got in early and so, but it basically, her hands are tied, and but, uh, she said that her North Star is to make sure that Sherry Hall complies with um, turning things in on time, and that she is trying to make sure there's sufficient witnesses there to make sure that everything's done mm-hmm. according to plan, and uh, that so that's where we're at now. I, I, well, I'll tell you what, uh, Sherry, I, it, it, this underscores my point of, of the importance of uh, public oversight of our elections, of the counting. I'm very concerned about what's going on. I will note that in the Republican race in the in the fifth district, uh, in the Republican mm-hmm. race, that looks like that is held up as well, that they are also waiting for uh, uh, the returns to come in. So that's all right. caught up in this problem. But. Uh, boy, it seems like just one mess after another leading to this, frankly, outrage. When I heard that they were going to be remaking tens of thousands of ballots by hand instead of simply counting them by hand in the first place, uh, my head fell off because it's just, uh, you know, another example of where the hell we are in this country and the lack of common sense. Count the damn ballots by hand, the ones the voters actually voted, not these remade ballots. Sherry, uh, I got I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I think we have to address that in our election code so this can never happen again. Yes, please. Get to work. Don't let this happen again. You're awesome. We're on it. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so glad uh, you are there overseeing this process and uh, doing your best to hold everyone's uh, feet to the fire and make sure that the public of all parties can try to have some confidence in their elections. Sherry Healy, longtime election integrity activist, uh, now up there uh, doing doing the Lord's work, as they say, in Clackamas County, Oregon. Sherry, thanks for joining us. Please keep us updated as this moves forward, and Lord knows what will happen next. Thank you so much, Brad. Take care. Thank you. Bye. How about that? Wow. That's that's just bizarre and mind-boggling that they would require <laughs> clerks to handle the same ballots twice instead of just handling them once and counting them just once. And not even just handling them twice, but actually remaking them b- vote by vote by vote on this ballot. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, issues and, and, and candidate races on these uh, primary ballots. That they would do that rather than simply hand-counting the votes. That's how insane our election systems have uh, become. This is just really, really, it it makes me angry. Just like you said, it makes me angry that my ballot would be remade by somebody if I were up there. And introducing errors, potentially. Yep.
Same thing happens here, by the way. You mail in oh, a ballot true. here. If it gets uh, messed up in the mail, instead of just counting, instead of making a stack of ballots that could be you know, counted, counted by hand, damaged by ballots eyes. afterwards. Yeah, uh, they they routinely do this all over the country, but it's the first time that I've seen it happen in uh, such a huge case here. And she also mentioned, we reported, I forgot about it, uh, some years ago in Clackamas County, there was an election official inside that office. I'm always warning you about, uh, you know, election insiders, insiders yeah. inside the office in Clackamas County who was actually adding votes <sighs> in races that the voters had not voted in when they sent in their vote by mail ballot. Just another reason that I have been very concerned for many years about vote by mail. Yeah. OK, quick break and uh, we will move our concern <laughs> To the planet and Desi Doyen and our Life. latest Green News report. The always fun Green News it's report. It's always fantastic. <laughs> Nothing but good news. Straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Okay. Well, you know, uh, every week. Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Uh, every week, this uh, week after week, I'm, I'm feeling again. You know, as as we're getting uh, near to the end of the week, boy, this last week has been the longest year of my life. <laughs> Indeed, and I have a feeling that's not going to get any better, what? especially as we what? get closer to the election. Because remember, some come summer, that everything everybody loses their minds and everything goes kind of crazy. Wait, there's an election coming up. <laughs> Now's a great time to check your registration and make sure you're still registered to vote. So you're saying the summer before an election is when everybody goes crazy and starts getting all partisan and worried about the election in the fall? Is that what you're they trying to say? They go more crazy than usual. Right, they go I was downright say, silly. Because I think we're all crazy at this point. Yes. Um, Maybe Greg Abbott was right. Maybe this. Uh, maybe we do have some mental issues in this country. <laughs> well, we all definitely have mental health issues in this country. I can say that for sure. All right. That said, enough of your <laughs> chit-chatting, Desi Doyen. Let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. Hurricane season, we got to remember, is six months. It's half of the year. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Buckle up and batten down. NOAA forecasts another active, long hurricane season. Exxon loses its bid to escape climate liability. Major global companies join forces to buy green at Davos. Plus, if the Pebble project moves forward, it's going to enable other projects to move forward as well. Good news. Biden EPA to block controversial Pebble mine in Alaska. I thought that was blocked long ago. 
All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. This is a crisis we have. We're running out of water. But water parks are asking kids to pee in the pool. <laughs> it's true. It's that bad. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it's not even summer yet, but hurricane season is it's already here. Yep, it starts June 1, and NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, has forecast another busy Atlantic hurricane season for the seventh straight year in a row. The average number of storms is 14, but NOAA predicts this year will bring 14 to 21 oh, named man. storms, plus three to six major hurricanes that reach Category 3 or higher. Now, it's important to remember that the U.S. may see no actual landfalls or a few or many, but the past two hurricane seasons both exhausted the list of 21 storm names. That was unprecedented, and the 2020 season was the most active on record. Well, you know, I could predict that we will see no storms, some storms, or a whole lot of storms. True, but climate studies do show that warming of the oceans and atmosphere is intensifying hurricanes, rainfall, and flooding, and storm impacts now reach further inland. So it's a good idea to go ahead and be prepared anyway. Mm-hmm. Extreme flooding is already hammering Bangladesh and India, where torrential pre-monsoon rains triggered devastating floods that have killed more than 60, displaced millions, and swept away entire towns and villages, infrastructure and communications, leaving large areas without access to food or clean drinking water. California this week issued new emergency water conservation regulations amid an historic mega drought after calls to voluntarily cut water water use had little effect. Starting in mid-June, commercial, industrial, and institutional properties will be banned from watering their lawns. That is, non-functional ornamental turf, not including areas actually used for recreation or community purposes. Well, to be fair, the last time we had this major drought warnings, a lot of us did cut back on our water. There might not be a lot more to cut back at this point. But some good news. At the annual World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland this week, a group of more than 50 major global corporations, including Microsoft, Google, Volvo, and Ford Motor Company, joined forces for a new Buy Green initiative. The idea is to purchase only green, steel, aluminum, cement, and chemicals by 2030. The advanced purchase pledge is a pretty big deal. Experts say it will stoke global demand and help emerging low-carbon technology scale up. Well, it's stoking some good publicity for those corporations in any event. True. In Scandinavia this week, the Finnish parliament passed ambitious new climate legislation. The new policy moves up Finland's target to be carbon neutral to 2035 and to be carbon negative by 2040, and the policy is legally binding. Wow, that's impressive. I wish we had a real government who could do stuff like that. 
Massachusetts State Supreme Court this week rejected a last-ditch effort by ExxonMobil to dismiss a climate liability lawsuit <laughs> brought by State Attorney General Maura Healey. Are they still fighting that thing? They are. The suit accuses the oil giant of lying to investors and the public about the fact that they knew, since the 1970s, that burning their product would cause dangerous man-made climate change. The ruling means that Exxon will now have to stand trial for fraud in Massachusetts. Sad. And finally, the Biden Environmental Protection Agency has proposed new permanent protections for Bristol Bay in Alaska, one of the world's most prolific salmon fisheries. The EPA has proposed to ban the disposal of toxic mining waste in the Bristol Bay watershed, a decision that likely means the end, for real this time, of the wildly controversial, massive proposed gold and copper mine known as Pebble Mine, and effectively ends a fight that has raised for more than a decade. I thought it was ended months ago, no? Every decision up to now has chipped away at the pebble mine. This, if it is approved, will be the final death knell. And it'll be permanent until Donald Trump takes office again, right? One hopes not. For much more on all of these terrifying stories and more that we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. But now I'm chipping away. I'm chipping away. Oh, it's all we can ask for. Yes. Shipping away at the injustices. I'm sure we'll have it all worked out in another, what, 20, 30, 50 years. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, by the way, I was I was uh, whining and complaining about uh, the fact that ExxonMobil is still fighting that lawsuit for their climate fraud. Their climate liability lawsuit in yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah. Yes. And you mentioned that you were you at least were not surprised. I was not surprised at all. And I wish I had remembered this. But yes. ExxonMobil fought for 20 years all the way up to the Supreme Court to get their fines and punitive damages for the Exxon Valdez oil spill to get mm-hmm. that demolished. They went from $5 billion in damages. They got the Supreme Court, the right-wing Supreme Court, yep. to lower it down to just $500 million. million. Right, from five billion to five hundred million. Yeah, yeah, that's what they will do. They'll keep fighting. They've got the money. They'll keep fighting as long as they can and pull every trick in the book they can. (sighs) Yep. So the fight continues. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our (laughs) producer here. Also to uh, Oregon's election integrity champion, Sherry Healy, my guest today, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download them all for free anytime at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you kind enough to support our efforts by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. We are 100% listener supported and you are 100% a listener. (laughs) So please stop by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We will see you there at all of the above. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I'm chipping away. I'm chipping.